0: I am the dude that can talk about a dead deer for five minutes. The most important aspect of survival is getting your mindset right. Imagine that person being in a position where they have been in a car accident, they've been in a farming accident, they've been in a cutting firewood accident camping, and that person bleeds to death in front of you. And you could prevent it if you only had a trauma kit with you.
1: Because of the buildings, because of all the other signals around, my GPS was actually spinning around. It was useless. It was totally useless to me.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Survival Show podcast with David and me, Craig, where it's our job to take you step by step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster, and show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. <laughs> so, what's up, Gigglebox? How are you doing today?
1: Dude, I'm having an awesome day. I am out here at His Thousand Hills Camp, and this is where we actually do our trainings. And I somehow I got, r- not roped in, uh, voluntarily uh, part of the uh, forward movement team here at the camp and so i am in the rc overlooking the beautiful mountains of north central pennsylvania it doesn't get any better than this dude how are you
0: <laughs> doing good man it's been a beautiful day in kentucky we're actually going to get like to 80 degrees in about three days
1: whoa whoa yeah, that's, I, that's that's odd for us but I, hey. I stop at 75 dude it is what it is <laughs> huh? well Summer's coming on. No, I am excited. I'm not much for winter anymore. I'm getting old. But, but, our mission here, guys, everybody, listen up. (laughs) That was my Craig impersonation. Listen up. You need to hear this. Our mission here is not for Craig and I just to hang out, because we can talk anytime we want to. But our mission is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ so that you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than you were at the beginning, which is right now. And coming up next, this is actually, Craig, I think this is one of our more popular kind of like side, I don't know, side hustle (laughs) segments. That's not the right word. But uh, we're going to dip into the mailbag today, right? So we're going to be answering your questions, all of you out there listening to me right now, that uh, we haven't done this in a while. So... Yeah, we're going to cover quite a few here, I think. But we're going to try and keep them concise. And uh, we rounded these up from Patreon uh, and on social media. And we do have the survivalshow.com website, actual website, coming soon. And we're going to make it a lot easier for you guys to get us your questions. Craig, you got anything else before we get into this?
0: Hey, everybody, as always, check out the Sportsms Guide. That's our sponsor. Link in the description below for all kinds of good stuff.
1: Sweet. And I just want to throw in there, guys, I've tried to make this easy for you to get over to the Sportsman's Guide. They are fantastic and they help us bring this to you free of charge. And so I created a link. You just go to the SurvivalShow.com forward, forward slash guide. That's the SurvivalShow.com forward slash guide guide, and that will get you right over the sportsman's guide, and they'll know we sent you, and they'll be happy, and everybody will be happy, and we'll be able to do this forever and ever. All right, Craig, you ready to get into this? Let's do it. Okay, so we have a question, and this question is, I have seen some medical kits, specifically trauma kits, and they have no... TQ. I'm assuming they're saying tourniquet. They have no tourniquet in it. How come? I'm going to let you go on this because I have a feeling what
0: you're going to say. Well, a trauma kit that doesn't have a tourniquet in it is done for two reasons. One, either the company that is putting that trauma kit out will give you specific instructions on how you can go about getting a tourniquet on their website as well. Uh, I know that there's some really high-end, really good trauma kits put out by some military law enforcement type people. And there's two main tourniquets that people like cats or soft T and people are kind of partial to one or the other. And so they make a trauma kit and then say, all right, here's where you get your TQ, pick the one that you want, add to it. Or the company just does not know what they're doing. And so you'll see uh, simply because of active aggressor, active shooter type things, going on that scare people. They're not as prominent as people think they are. It's not like they're increasing. The data is there to prove that. But but because they're in the news so much, people are scared to death, and your average ordinary person is carrying trauma kits with them, which I'm a big fan of. I've been doing it for years. I'm a huge fan of having a trauma kit in your vehicle particularly. And there's some of these supplies like a tourniquet and hemostatic agent, hemostatic gauze, I carry on my person, on my body. Every time I go out, every time, every time I get up, it goes in my pockets, just like my wallet and my phone does. So it's those two, either the company really knows what they're doing and they're giving you and they'll give you the option to get a tourniquet and add to it, or they don't know what they're doing. And so just, just be aware. You need to have a tourniquet if you're going to have a, have a, any sort of trauma kit.
1: Let me throw in a third one, Craig. So from a marketing perspective and a business perspective, I'm just going to tell you guys this. And and if you don't like this and you want to buy a cheap trauma kit that doesn't have some essentials like a tourniquet in it, uh, you can do that. But be forewarned. One, I think the third reason, Craig, and, and we may disagree on this, but let me know, is that a good trauma kit is expensive. I mean, I, I put together my own and we we are actually – probably next week we're going to be covering first aid kits uh checklists and we're going to talk about trauma kits specifically so you can put together your own but just be prepared you're going to end up spending 75 to 100 dollars maybe more to get the right stuff that could save your life or somebody else's life and i think that's the third one craig it, it's it's expensive to do and there's and as consumers we've created uh s- certain I guess, benchmarks as far as how much we're willing to spend on on certain things. And let's face it, first aid kits aren't sexy, but but it's probably one of the most essential things that you need to have on you and have a good one all the time. Do you have anything else to add to that, Craig?
0: Yeah, I think I'll add two things. One is very cliche and one is very sobering. Cliche is a, a good trauma kit is one of the things that you would rather have and not need than need and not have. Because there are some things, particularly a tourniquet and hemostatic agent, hemostatic gauze, are things that if you need them, they're they're very, they're, they're just not easy to improvise. And people that are listening saying, well, I'll pull off my belt and crank on it. Well, it's not as good as a tourniquet. It's just not. Okay. So again, to be cliche, it's better to have it and not need it, then need it, not have it. Now, for the sobering side of this, imagine the person that you love dearly. It could be one of anybody. Imagine that person being in a position where they have been in a car accident, they've been in a farming accident, they've been in a cutting firewood accident camping, they've been hunting, they've been in a situation where disaster readiness has caused a building to collapse, and that person bleeds to death in front of you. And you could prevent it if you only had a trauma kit with you. That's the sobering reality. Now, I've been in the conversations where that has happened to people. And that is why listening to them talk about their loved one dying in front of them from blood loss that was preventable. That's why I carry a tourniquet. That's why I carry a trauma kit. Because it's just, that's where you need to be.
1: Let me throw the other end of that in there, Craig. You are loved. You folks that are listening, you're loved by somebody and a good trauma kit and a little bit of training, you can actually save your own life for those who love you and would experience great loss. So enough said on that. Anything else, Craig?
0: No, that's good. So my question on the list of questions, and and I pulled most of mine off my Facebook group, and this one came up today. Any validity to this is... Wild lettuce more effective than morphine and probably growing in your backyard. This is wild, this wild plant is nature's strongest painkiller. This is a headline that's been rampant on Facebook the last two or three days. No, it's not. It's not more advanced medically than morphine. Okay. And here's the thing: when you read these headlines, you need to understand that a doctor practices medicine, whether they're a holistic doctor, a medical doctor, or whoever they are. Practicing medicine means they do as best they can, and it's basically an educated guess on how they're going to handle things. And the reason it has to be that way is the human body, my body, is very different from your body. And so what might work for you might not work for me. So to have a blanket statement on these wild edibles on Facebook, and it says, it's the greatest thing ever since sliced bread, is just not medically sound. And so I'm a big fan of edible medicinal plants, but I just don't fall victim to the clickbait of that type of stuff. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I actually had not seen this, Craig. And there are, now correct me as far as the technical name, salicylic acid. Is that, that's what's in, uh, uh, that's what's in plants that is a pain reliever and an anti- inflammatory agent so basically that's what's in aspirin am i correct there correct okay and a willow tree so there are some useful plants out there maybe you want to talk about that for for a minute that have salicylic acid in it
0: yeah willow tree is a good one there are others the best way to go about studying edible medicinal plants i don't think that's a good subject for us to discuss on a podcast but but do this do this for me on have you done anything on youtube for that topic i have not Okay, so go to my YouTube channel. I have a playlist on my YouTube channel dedicated to edible and medicinal plants. The first one you need to watch on there is one with my wife where we go through our resources. She talks about different books and apps and stuff that will help you get started. That's the way to get started. Well, let let me say this again. The best way to get started is to study with the teacher. Walk around so they can actually show you these things in person. It's not possible for a lot of people. So books and apps and videos and stuff are another alternative. Uh, They're a inferior alternative, but they're an alternative. So get into that, study your plants and don't fall victim to the clickbait. I'm not, and I'm not saying that this clickbait, the stuff that they're talking about doesn't do what it's supposed to do or what it says it does. It might do that for some people, but I, I've never seen anything like that just work for everybody. It's just medicine doesn't work that way. That's
1: good. Enough said on that one. Okay, so my question is, well, thank you uh, to this person. I've been listening to your and Craig's podcast and really enjoy it. What I have been looking for and not finding, not really finding, is a concise training or list of training for preparation of survival, dot, dot, dot. Where should we start? Fire, not shelter, ways to source things, uh, purifying water. I'm sure these skills could build on each other and there is a logical progression. So where do we start as a novice and what progression should we take? Let me start this one, Craig, (laughs) (laughs) because I've got a lot to say about this. Craig, I know that in your training and the trainings that we we co-lead, here in Pennsylvania and I don't even hate to say it but intentionally the tiny survival guide we based that guide and the flow of that guide from topic topics in section A through the last section section T we paced and actually uh, laid that guide out from the most important things to the least important things so that is actually one resource you can get the tiny survival guide that steps you through even how to prepare and prevent crisis what to do first steps if you're in a danger zone survival first steps rescue and from there that's a really general answer to your question that is a resource for you also some good training like what Craig does down there in Kentucky at Nature Reliance School and uh, where do you start why don't I let you take that where do you start for somebody uh, that's just looking what's the first thing to do
0: First thing to do is find somebody of like mind. That'll help a lot, a whole lot. And, and, it, and it's true for exercise. It's good for uh, outdoor training. It's good for learning how to play basketball. Find somebody of like mind. If you have somebody that'll join you in your training, then you're more apt to do it. The days that you don't feel like doing it, they'll probably prompt you to go and you can do the same for them. And that way you just have a motivating factor. That could be your spouse. That could be one of your kids. That could be somebody you work with. That could be somebody that you're dating. It it doesn't matter. Just find somebody that is interested in the topic, and that way you can dig into them. And then as a rule, uh, I'm a big fan of mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. Most people dig into the skills and the gear. Most people go gear first anymore. They find stuff that they want to buy and think that's going to fix their problems, and, and it just doesn't work that way it's a vital aspect to the puzzle of survival, but it's not the most important aspect of survival. The most important aspect of survival is getting your mindset, right? Learn how to control your ego, learn how to uh, be aware, learn how to have and increase your situational awareness, develop your skills of fire building, develop your skills of, you know, how to purify water. If, if the electric's off and tactics is just working with others, know how to communicate, know how to lead, know how to follow when you need to. And then the gear that that's where I would start. And then, and I'll, I'll be frank with you. It doesn't get, it's not the most popular answer for, for those of you listening, but you know, it's what somebody with, you know, almost four decades of experience is telling you to do. So listen, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. <laughs>
1: I want to mention your, your book also, Craig, uh, extreme wilderness survival is that what the name of it is
0: yeah extreme wilderness survival is my first book and that basically takes you through okay so my question is my grandson and i went for a little hike and came across this carcass and this was on facebook so the guy had a photo that was available there and it was a carcass of a deer we were trying to figure out how long it had been there how old it was among other things Sorry, the pics are not the best. What do you see in these pics that may help determine or what the other observations you have? Okay. And and I threw this in there just because of a nature study and people see this sort of thing. And I just wanted to throw out a few ideas. Anytime you're going to look at anything in nature and try to determine stuff about it, age, what it was, how long it's been dead, how old was the animal when it died, any number of things you're going to find or try to find, you need to Do what is called indexing as best you can. You need to look at what is there and as best you can, index it to something that you already know. For example, there's a lot of data out there on progression of dead animals. Uh, There's some really good, and it sounds kind of gross to some, but it's the kind of thing that somebody like me that's a nature nerd watches, you know what does a rabbit look like when it dies? And they'll have time-lapse photography looking at it. And that way, when you come upon something like this, you have a good idea of indexing how long something takes to die. It really depends upon something such as uh, whether it's in the sun, whether it's moist where it is, whether there's predators, whether there's opportunistic feeders in the area, and all those things come into play. Now, with that said, the reason I bring this up as far as a survival methodology is when you start indexing stuff like this and you see if you start to be able to recognize an animal that has died why did it die is there something out there that cause could cause injury or death to you so if you can start to recognize these things in a dead carcass for example you might not i'm a tracker it's just observation and awareness it it may be the clues that you need to realize oh man there's a mountain lion in this area I need to be, I didn't know that. And you could tell that by finding a carcass of a deer, for example, up in a tree, because that happens a lot of times with a mountain lion. And so these kind of things are worthy of your investment of time. Another one is that um, most people, when they try to identify animals, it's hard to identify them unless they have a, a fair amount of experience on particular bones, but it's not as hard to do that if you have the skull. And there's a fantastic book. It's odd nauseam reading, but it's a great resource just to take as a guide called Mammal Skulls. And so you can take this. It's a huge, huge book. And you can look at the skull and it'll, it'll help identify whatever you're looking at based upon teeth, uh, shape of the skull, the eye socket, whether the lower jaw is attached or not, and any number of things. It's called Mammal Skulls.
1: That's all really cool. I, I
0: Welcome you, to my t- world, my friend. <laughs> world. I am the dude that can talk about a dead deer for five minutes, and I
1: just it. And I literally have nothing to say about that, except that I learned something. <laughs> you make all me right. smarter, Craig Cuddle.
0: <laughs> all right, what do you got next?
1: Okay, so Mail one bag. of the biggest... Ah, mailbag, yep. One of the biggest things that gets overlooked by preppers, especially younger ones, is navigation. I'm assuming this person's younger. Person, sad but true fact: If a millennial, maybe they're not. If a millennial is dropped into the woods, what is this a joke? If a m- millennial is dropped into the woods with a compass and map,
0: of the <laughs> I carried this over for the notes and I didn't read it. Man, this guy's being <laughs> hardcore on somebody. Yes. <laughs> Gosh.
1: Sad but true fact: If a millennial is dropped into the woods with a compass and map of the area with you are here sticker <laughs> on it, <laughs> they couldn't navigate their way out of a paper bag. So maybe this person isn't a millennial. <laughs> no, but, but here's I, the thing. If <laughs> anybody that listened to
0: our last podcast where David and I were talking about first aid, I related a story that Tracy Tremble had shared with me about finding these two guys that were fishing and they were, they were two to three miles away from where they were supposed to be. I mean, I'll just go ahead and say that. I mean, it was insane how far away they were. And I'm not saying they're millennials, but they were millennials. I mean, but they, it's, it's just, and and I'm not saying that negatively. I'm just saying they're keyed into um, maybe electronics, but at least they're out trying to do something. You know, they're out fishing, they're out doing, you know, what I love to help people do. I'm not, and I'm seriously not making fun of these people. It's, it's uh, It's worthwhile investment of everybody's time to learn wilderness navigation like this guy is suggesting.
1: And gosh, how much does it cost for the for you to have the search and rescue team come out and get you? Doesn't that cost you something? I mean, get a map, people. (laughs) I hate to say this.
0: I hate to say it, but here in Kentucky, it doesn't cost a thing. And I personally would like that to change. The right now, Kentucky emergency management, and this is the way it is for a lot of states. They have some money that's given to them for administrative and, and some small gear purchases. Most everybody that does search and rescue is volunteer. Most of them buy their, and particularly here in Kentucky, most of them buy their own equipment. And like, you know, they get called out and they might be, at, be out all night long. And they don't get anything for that other than the satisfaction that they helped fell a human, which makes the, these type of people the salt of the earth. And I just think personally, if people knew, like, for example, these two that got lost the other night, if they knew, if they got lost, oh, my goodness, if I'm out for a day, it's $500. And that money goes to the search and rescue team. Then I think it would help slow some of that down. And it would obviously help the search and rescue teams. I
1: sure would. Yeah,
0: I would lobby for that, actually. If I give an opportunity, I would lobby for that. <laughs> so okay. you
1: know where Craig stands <laughs> yeah. on Proposition 25. Um, let, let me just throw in a couple of things here. The bottom line is, if you don't know how to navigate with a map or just no compass navigation, just some basics like stars, a stick, a watch, even just solar orientation, <laughs> knowing you know east from west and north from south based on where the sun is then you're setting yourself up for a problem someday because navigating with a device is going to fail you at some point in your life. Okay. True story. I was in New York city a few weeks ago and I, it was my first time, literally my first time walking around the city. And we were trying to get to a place and I pulled out my phone and I tried to navigate like I would normally do with Google maps. And because of the buildings, because of all the all the electricity and all the other signals around my my gps was actually spinning around it was useless it was totally useless to me so we're not even just talking about wilderness navigation you should know how to use a map and i i just want to mention something here always carry a paper map if you don't know how to use that there's stuff online and craig i hate to say it but i'm i'm back to your book and i'm back to the tiny guide Let me start with a tiny guide. Uh, Navigation, it's literally section N, no joke. Section N in the guide is a whole, it's one of the larger sections in there on that navigation. And we talk about essentials there. You need to know where where you are at all times. Carry a paper map, a street map if you're in a city, a topographical map if you're in the wilderness, a vehicle map if you're traveling on the roads. You need to know where you're at at all times and practice that just some basics, basics there. And if you want to get more into navigation, you got to pick up Craig and Tracy Trumbull's book. What's the name of it again, Craig?
0: It's a essential, essential wilderness navigation. Mm-hmm. Yep. The beauty of the book is that it's got practical exercises at the end of every chapter. It's got a troubleshooting section at the end of every chapter. The troubleshooting section is probably worth every penny. The the book right now is probably is 15 bucks on Amazon, but the troubleshooting section is worth the money in the book. If you don't read anything else, I mean, even for people that are familiar with land navigation, uh, what we did, the reason the troubleshooting section came about is Tracy has been teaching this material for our school for a number of years. And I've been helping him as best I can. And, um basically the troubleshooting section contains all, well, not all, but a considerable portion of the things that people ran into trying to do wilderness navigation. And we found solutions for them and laid them out there. And for those that are in search and rescue, there's a chapter on search and rescue navigation. If you're in law enforcement, there's a chapter in there for law enforcement navigation. If you lead scouts, there's a section in there for. Uh, scout troop leaders and families and maps and compasses and GPSs and national navigation, navigating by stars, navigating by trees, believe it or not, navigating by learning how to look at a puddle. And the last one that I'm going to pull you in with, I teach people how to look at a soup can and tell direction. (laughs) So (laughs) get the book for nothing other than that. So that's my last plug for the book, man. I'm talking about my books too much today.
1: No, um, but you know, people are asking about resources and I think it, I think it's it's not fair if we don't mention these things that we spent time in. So we've got the guide. The guide is a really uh, nice reminder, but it's also a training tool, and uh, Craig's book is fantastic. And one thing, I'm going to say something about the book. It A lot of books like that aren't very engaging. This was this is an en- engaging book. Thanks for the advanced copy, by the way, Craig. <laughs> and it's, it's more of a course than any, like it's a course. So you can kind of pick and choose areas of strength or weakness, and uh, it, Craig and Tracy just really step you through actually knowing what's going on. And, you know, I feel bad for millennials, honestly, because a lot of you all, you, you never, you can't remember what it's like to live life without a smartphone. So it's not necessarily your fault. I mean, Hey, GPSs are awesome. They tell you where you're at all the time. You can drive by them. You can walk in the woods by them. They're incredible, but learn how to use a basic map. That's, that's all we we got to say about that. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's good. And my next question's is up. Uh, this came from Facebook, one of our Facebook followers. I know everybody in here enjoys the outdoors and being in nature, but have you ever come across a person or a group of people that think it's the stupidest thing you ever to enjoy the outdoors? I had a guy tell me last year, why don't you come out of the woods for once and come play cornhole with us? Something that is fun. Some people have no idea. So this gentleman that wrote this, and I think I know who this was. This was a few days ago, but he is an explorer extraordinaire. I mean, this guy is part of our nature line school community group on Facebook and he's constantly posting great photos of just him exploring and just enjoying nature. And one of the things that we talked about, and he agreed with me too on this is that sometimes you have to, well, let me put it this way. I'm a nature nerd, but there are times where I have gone and played golf, which is way outside my comfort zone. There's time I've gone to sporting events, which is also way outside my comfort zone. Not that I, I played sports, but I, I don't care to watch them on TV if it's my doing. And, and a host of other things that I have done because I am friends with people and I like spending time with friends. And so I do things that are outside my comfort zone. And by doing that, some of those same friends have con have come with me and gone into the woods and done stuff that they wouldn't normally do. And so I I just think it's a a wonderful opportunity for us to learn how to humble ourselves and be good servants to our friends and help them out and and try to enjoy doing what they're doing. And oftentimes they'll come with you and enjoy what you're doing.
1: I have a really good friend, and he was one of the first people that I I kind of tested the tiny guide with and I handed it to him. He's like, This is great. This is fantastic. And I said, Hey, you have to come out in the woods with me sometime. He's like, Uh, oh, I'm never going camping, never have and never will. And you know what? Here here's what here's what I have to say to and and we're probably not talking to many folks that have not been out because just because of the nature of our following here, Craig. But I just want to say something to you uh, as far as getting out. Just like me going into New York City, which is way outside of my comfort zone. Trust me. (laughs) I had a friend when I was there. He said, okay, you know, I went to a a really cool event that maybe I'll talk about some other time I was invited to. And this is like 1 o'clock in the morning. This event's over. All the after-event stuff is done, networking, all that sort of stuff. We went out of the back of this place. I had no idea where where we you're at and he, he looked at me and he said okay that was awesome man I really appreciate you you coming down for the event are you good and I looked at him and I said no no I'm not good I have no idea how to get back <laughs> oh, wow. and so he he set me up I at that point I had not even uh, ever used an uber uh, before so anyway I went outside of my comfort zone here. I learned a lot. It was, it was pretty cool. And I, I feel I'm going to go back. You know, I'm going to go back there because I, I think there's a lot to be gained there and, and a lot to be learned by me. Also, if you have not been outside much, get with a friend. Get with somebody who, who does that sort of thing. That'll take the fear away from it. Do something small with your family. Just go, you know, go to a local park. Do a little bit of hiking. But I just want to let you know that getting out in nature will change your life. All righty. <laughs> what is this? You, you put these questions together, David, how does shipping work for overseas delivery of the tiny survival guide? Really?
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, that that was a question that came up like three times. Really? Yeah. I think, uh, so, like, yeah, I got, I got all just for everybody. Listen, I got all the, I find all these questions and put them together for us. This one came up, man. So I thought I'd throw it in there. Cause somebody's wanting to know.
1: Yeah. So it's super simple. Uh, there is no fear. Uh, basically, you, as long as you're a country that we ship to, and I will let you know that there's a we probably sh- ship to uh, maybe only half of the countries in the world just for security reasons, and I just don't want to lose stuff. <laughs> uh, but we we ship. Uh, you just put your address in if you're a country we ship to, which ninety nine point five percent of the folks that want to get the guide our country that we ship to and we've just had a couple of people say hey i can't you're not shipping to my country and um i'll add their country so it's really simple we ship uh, u.s postal service once it gets overseas there's tracking for everything once it gets overseas it's usually picked up by dhl or somebody else to finish the delivery super simple easy to do no stress we do it
0: all right last question of the day craig what are your favorite mushrooms to forage Tough one. Um, there's three <laughs> I know
1: what you want I know what you want to say here, right? Don't mess with mushrooms unless you know what you're doing.
0: Oh well I'm gonna say. So everybody listen up. <laughs> Don't mess with mushrooms unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's true. You can get in danger dangerous situation really quick, even with mushrooms that everybody knows is edible like morels. You can be you can get toxic morels and I know this for a fact and anybody that's a hater it says it can't happen. You don't know what you're talking about. So, chill out. Uh, eat some mushrooms and deal with it. But as far as my personal favorite mushrooms in my part of the world here, there's three: morels, there is chicken of the woods. Well, there's a lot more than just these three, but these are the three that I really like. Real I mean like sometimes I eat some things in the woods just because I don't want those skills to die and then sometimes I actually thoroughly enjoy eating what comes from the woods. For example, deer meat. I absolutely love eating deer meat and mushrooms. I actually love eating mushrooms, chickweed. I love eating chickweed, but the other two besides morels are chicken of the woods and lion's mane. Lion's mane is probably the tastiest mushroom I've ever eaten in my life. I haven't found it often. It's kind of one of those things if you're ever with me and I see it, everything, whatever's going on at that point in time is going to stop because I'm going to go get that mushroom. Just look it up, Lion's Mane. It's real healthy for you. It's real good for brain function. Um, it, it's it's incredible. And we're actually growing it in our house now because we like it so much. Um, we bought a kit. You can get kits off Amazon if you've ever done that. And, and it's a fun, I would, it's a fun, it's been a fun thing for me and my wife to grow them but I can imagine it would have been a real hunk of fun back when my kids were small. And cause we're, you know, like woods hippies and stuff like that and anyway. But, but, uh, but, um, that, that's been a fun project is growing them ourselves. And so that's the three to go.
1: Yeah. We've d- got a couple of those kits too. Those are, they're actually really cool.
0: Did you get And I would like agree.
1: That? No, we have not. No, we've got some shiitake. We've got uh, oh, one or two others. Uh, Karen's still working on those, but lion's Mane's a good one. And when you find lion's mane, oftentimes you find lion's mane, like there's a bunch there. Seriously. I agree with. Yeah. Do you find it up there often? Yeah. Uh, well it's, it's not often, but when we find it,
0: we, it's usually a bunch. See, I Mm -hmm. haven't found that down here like that. I would, I, my heart would stop beating if I saw that. that. (laughs) I love it that much.
1: Next time, next time you come up here, we'll go, we'll go uh, looking for bears and we'll go looking for lions, I man. <laughs> we will. In, inside joke for Craig. But um, <laughs> do you want to tell him that about the bears? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> the, the first time you ever saw a live bear in the wild? Oh, so
0: the first time I ever saw a bear in the wild, you all, was we were teaching class up in Pennsylvania. And I made the rookie mistake because we don't have – well, we have bears in Kentucky now. Matter of fact, one of the farms or one of the locations that I teach on has bears on it now. So it's not something that, that, that I can possibly see on a regular basis now. But up until this point in my life, when this story happened, I had not seen a bear in the wild. And as much time as I spent outside, I'd never seen one. And I was, I slept in a hammock for almost, it was, man, it was a long time. It was almost two weeks up there because we that's first year we did it. So I would get out of my hammock in the morning, go brush my teeth about five feet away from my hammock. Well, I didn't know that toothpaste attracts bears. So I came back from lunch one day and there was a bear underneath my hammock. People freak out. Craig was like, what do I do? Why is the bear under? I mean, I thought, man, is this thing. I didn't leave any food in there. Cause I didn't have any food to leave in there, but, uh, ends up being I discovered. Cause, I. Checked him out where he'd been digging, and he'd been digging right where I would spit my toothpaste out.
1: Mm-hmm. Boom.
0: Lesson yep. learned. They do that.
1: Yep. Somebody wasn't listening when, I, when we did our uh, intro, <laughs> to, uh, you know, bear-proofing your campsite, but that's yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> hey, the other bear story, this one's even funnier, I think. And I'm going to tell this story because it's, it's, it's another one funny on me. Is one of the things that we do in training is I teach how to throw rabbit sticks, which is just a small stick about the length of your forearm. And and it's a real um, primitive tool. You pick it up, you throw it at critters to kill them or knock them unconscious and go get them. And then you cook them up and eat them. Right. So we have these targets set up through the woods to throw rabbit sticks at for this training. And there's this kid that was, you know, sometimes I love some of the students and sometimes I don't love the students. This kid was very smart aleck and he'd been a smart aleck the whole class. And we're walking up through there throwing rabbit sticks. And I said, all right, throw it at the rabbit. And he goes, and I'm facing him. And he goes, how about I throw it at that bear? And I'm like, just throw it at the rabbit. He's like, I think I'm going to throw it at the bear. And I'm like, can you please just throw it at the rabbit? And he goes, but there's a bear. And I turn and look, and there are two cubs in a tree about 30 yards from me which if you know anything about bears, which at this point I did, that's not cool because that means mama is around somewhere. And so I was like, all right, everybody, it's time for us to go the other direction. And as we were walking out, mama bear came ambling on up there too. If you're in the woods sometime and you have a kid saying, Hey, I'm going to throw this stick at a bear. Listen to said kid and go the other direction. (laughs) Lesson learned by Mr. Craig Cottle. (laughs) That's awesome. I thought you were going to tell the story about
1: uh, me down at your camp with the scat, but that's for another day. No, so t- guys, <laughs> I don't tell that
0: story. You've got to experience that story.
1: <laughs> All right. Anything else, Craig, or should we, we're done, we man. close this Take thing down? Okay. Take us out. All right. So guys subscribe to the podcast now. Thank you. Thank you. And please leave us a five stars and a great review. And thank you guys who have done that. And uh, to Tim at Everyday Tactical Vids, still, Tim is our only four-star rating because he doesn't rate anything at five stars. (laughs) So anyway, thank you, Tim. Thank all of you for uh, your support and your encouragement to Craig and I and Ben. Hope to get Ben back in here sometime soon. So it's free to do that. And uh, to ensure that you don't miss out on anything, to get some cool perks and rewards and videos and extra training, you can go over to thesurvivalshow.com and uh, become part of the tribe over there. Ask us questions for the mailbag or pretty much anywhere else on social media right now. But thesurvivalshow.com, a new website is coming soon. And thank you to the Sportsman's Guide again. Use show forward slash guide to go over there and then they'll know that you guys sent us and everybody's happy. It's a win-win for you because it's a cool site with uh, unique and interesting gear all the time. And uh, they know that we sent you and they'll want to continue to support the podcast here like you guys are. So uh, you can click the links in the description. And that's about it, Craig. Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.